Today is August 8th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so grateful you're here, so appreciative of your presence, and excited to get into this word with you today. Now, before we dive in, I do have a question to ask you. Have you ever experienced God's hand in your life? Have you ever felt his favor, guidance, protection, or provision in a way that was undeniably real or resonant, like it was palpable. If you have, you know what an incredible, profound blessing it is. If you're not sure you have, don't worry, we're going to explore what it means and how this happens. Now, some might doubt or view this language of God's hand as mere metaphor, but I assure you it is so much more than that. God is real, personal, and actively involved in his creation. He is not distant. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe, the father and friend of those who trust in him. Experiencing God's hand in your life is a tangible, transformative encounter that you can know and perceive for yourself. Today, we're going to explore the story of Ezra. Now, Ezra is a remarkable figure in the Bible. He experienced God's hand in a profound way. He was a priest and a scribe living in Babylon after the exile of Judah, and he was deeply devoted to God's word and God's people. Surprisingly, the first six chapters of the book of Ezra, which we've already covered, were not written from his perspective, but compiled from various sources detailing the events of the exiles returned and the temples rebuilding. These chapters set the historical background for Ezra's personal ministry and mission in Jerusalem. Now, Ezra's life serves as an example of what it means to have God's hand on your life, and there are valuable lessons we can learn from his story and apply to our own lives. Let's uncover these insights together and embrace the power of God's hand in our own journeys. Let's flow into these verses, Ezra chapter 7, verse 1 through chapter 8, verse 20, the Living Bible. Here's the genealogy of Ezra, who traveled from Babylon to Jerusalem during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia. Ezra was the son of Sariah. Sariah was the son of Azariah. Azariah was the son of Hilkiah. Hilkiah was the son of Shalom. Shalom was the son of Zadok. Zadok was the son of Ahitub. Ahitub was the son of Amariah. Amariah was the son of Meraoth. Meraoth was the son of Zerahiah. Zerahiah was the son of Uzi. Uzi was the son of Buki. Buki was the son of Abishua. Abishua was the son of Phinehas. Phinehas was the son of Eleazar. Eleazar was the son of Aaron, the chief priest. As a Jewish religious leader, Ezra was well-versed in Jehovah's laws, which Moses had given to the people of Israel. He asked to be allowed to return to Jerusalem, and the king granted his request, for the Lord his God was blessing him. Many ordinary people as well as priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple workers traveled with him. They left Babylon in the middle of March in the seventh year of the reign of Artaxerxes and arrived at Jerusalem in the month of August, for the Lord gave them a good trip. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the laws of the Lord and to become a Bible teacher, teaching those laws to the people of Israel. 
King Artaxerxes presented this letter to Ezra the priest, the student of God's commands, from Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the laws of the God of heaven. I decree that any Jew in my realm, including the priests and Levites, may return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to take a copy of God's laws to Judah and Jerusalem and to send back a report of the religious progress being made there. We also commission you to take with you to Jerusalem the silver and gold, which we are presenting as an offering to the God of Israel. Moreover, you are to collect voluntary temple offerings of silver and gold from the Jews and their priests in all of the provinces of Babylon. These funds are to be used primarily for the purchase of oxen, rams, lambs, grain offerings, and drink offerings, all of which will be offered upon the altar of your temple when you arrive in Jerusalem. The money that is left over may be used in whatever way you and your brothers feel is the will of your God. And take with you the gold bowls and other items we are giving you for the temple of your God at Jerusalem. If you run short of money for the construction of the temple or for any similar needs, you may requisition funds from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes, the king, send this decree to all the treasurers in the provinces west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra whatever he requests of you, for he is a priest and teacher of the laws of the God of heaven, up to $200,000 in silver, 1,225 bushels of wheat, 990 gallons of wine, any amount of salt, and whatever else the God of heaven demands for his temple. For why should we risk God's wrath against the king and his sons? I also decree that no priest, Levite, choir member, gatekeeper, temple attendant, or other worker in the temple shall be required to pay taxes of any kind. And you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom God has given you to select and appoint judges and other officials to govern all the people west of the Euphrates River. If they are not familiar with the laws of your God, you are to teach them. Anyone refusing to obey the law of your God and the law of the king shall be punished immediately by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Well, praise the Lord God of our ancestors who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And praise God for demonstrating such loving kindness to me by honoring me before the king and his council of seven and before all of his mighty princes. I was given great status because the Lord my God was with me and I persuaded some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem. These are the names and genealogies of the leaders who accompanied me from Babylon during the reign of Artaxerxes, from the clan of Phinehas, Gershom, from the clan of Ithamar, Daniel, from the sub-clan of David of the clan of Shechaniah, Hattush, from the clan of Parash, Zechariah, and 150 other men, from the clan of Pehath Moab, Elihonai, son of Zerahiah, and 200 other men from the clan of Shechaniah, the son of Jahaziel, and 300 other men, from the clan of Aden, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and 50 other men, from the clan of Elam, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, and 70 other men, 
from the clan of Shephatiah, Zebediah, son of Michael, and 80 other men, from the clan of Joab, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, and 218 other men, from the clan of Benai, Shelemeth, son of Josephiah, and 160 other men, from the clan of Bibai, Zechariah, son of Bibai, and 28 other men, from the clan of Asgad, Johanan, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men, from the clan of Odenikam, Eliphalet, Jeul, Shemaiah, and 60 other men, they arrived at a later time, from the clan of Bigvi, Uthai, Zakur, and 70 other men, we assembled at the Ahava River and camped there for three days while I went over the lists of the people and the priests who had arrived, and I found that not one Levite had volunteered. So I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerib, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshillam, the Levite leaders. I also sent for Joyarib and Elnathan, who were very wise men. I sent them to Edu, the leader of the Jews at Casaphiah, to ask him and his brothers in the temple attendants to send us priests for the temple of God at Jerusalem. And God was good. He sent us an outstanding man named Sherebiah, along with 18 of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Mali, the son of Levi and grandson of Israel. God also sent Hashabiah and Jeshiah, the son of Merari, with 20 of his sons and brothers and 220 temple attendants. The temple attendants were assistants to the Levites. A job classification of temple employees first instituted by King David, these 220 men were all listed by name. 1 Corinthians 4 So Apollos and I should be looked upon as Christ's servants who distribute God's blessings by explaining God's secrets. Now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to. What about me? Have I been a good servant? Well, I don't worry over what you think about this or what anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but even that isn't final proof. It is the Lord himself who must examine me and decide. So be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord returns as to whether someone is a good servant or not. When the Lord comes, he will turn on the light so that everyone can see exactly what each one of us is really like deep down in our hearts. Then everyone will know why we have been doing the Lord's work. At that time, God will give to each one whatever praise is coming to him. I have used Apollos and myself as examples to illustrate what I have been saying, that you must not have favorites. You must not be proud of one of God's teachers more than another. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great and as though you have accomplished something on your own? You seem to think you already have all the spiritual food you need. You are full and spiritually contented, rich kings on your thrones, leaving us far behind. I wish you really were already on your thrones, for when that time comes, you can be sure that we will be there too, reigning with you. Sometimes I think God has put us apostles at the very end of the line, like prisoners soon to be killed, put on display at the end of a victor's parade, to be stared at by men and angels alike. 
Religion has made us foolish, you say, but of course, you are all such wise and sensible Christians. We are weak, but not you. You are well thought of, while we are laughed at. To this very hour, we have gone hungry and thirsty, without even enough clothes to keep us warm. We have been kicked around without homes of our own. We have worked wearily with our hands to earn our living. We have blessed those who cursed us. We have been patient with those who injured us. We have replied quietly when evil things have been said about us. Yet right up to the present moment, we are like dirt underfoot, like garbage. I am not writing about these things to make you ashamed, but to warn and counsel you as beloved children. For although you may have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, remember that you have only me as your father. For I was the one who brought you to Christ when I preached the gospel to you. So I beg you to follow my example and do as I do. That is the very reason why I am sending Timothy to help you do this. For he is one of those I won to Christ, a beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord. He will remind you of what I teach in all the churches wherever I go. I know that some of you will have become proud, thinking that I am afraid to come to deal with you. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord will let me, and then I'll find out whether these proud men are just big talkers or whether they really have God's power. The kingdom of God is not just talking, it is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Shall I come with punishment and scolding, or shall I come with quiet love and gentleness? Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you have saved me from my enemies. You refuse to let them triumph over me. O oh, Lord, my God, I pleaded with you, and you gave me my health again. You brought me back from the brink of the grave, from death itself, and here I am alive. Oh, sing to him, you saints of his. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts a moment. His favor lasts for life. Weeping may go on all night, but in the morning there is joy. In my prosperity, I said, this is forever. Nothing can stop me now. The Lord has shown me his favor. He has made me steady as a mountain. Then, Lord, you turned your face away from me and cut off your river of blessings. Suddenly, my courage was gone. I was terrified and panic-stricken. I cried to you, O oh Lord, oh, how I pled. What will you gain, O oh Lord, from killing me? How can I praise you then to all my friends? How can my dust in the grave speak out and tell the world about your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord. Oh, have pity and help me. Then he turned my sorrow into joy. He took away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy so that I might sing glad praises to the Lord instead of lying in silence in the grave. Oh, Lord, my God, I will keep on thanking you forever. Proverbs 20, verses 28 through 30. If a king is kind, honest, and fair, his kingdom stands secure. The glory of young men is their strength, of old men their experience. Punishment that hurts chases evil from the heart. Okay, y'all, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today with hearts open and expectant. Lord, we are seeking to experience your mighty hand at work in our own lives. 
Lord, we acknowledge that you are the creator of all things, the master of the universe and the sustainer of our lives. In your hands, all things are possible. And Lord, we long to witness your hand moving in our circumstances, guiding us through the trials and challenges that we face each day. Lord, we trust in your unfailing love and your unwavering faithfulness to lead us along the path of righteousness. Lord, grant us the wisdom to recognize your hand at work, even in the smallest details of our daily lives. Let us see the threads of your providence woven through our experiences, reminding us that you are always near, caring for us in ways we may not fully comprehend. Open our eyes to the miracles that surround us, both grand and subtle, that we can marvel at your power and your grace. Let your hand bring healing to the broken areas of our lives, filling us with hope, peace, and restoration. And Lord, as we encounter challenges and uncertainties, strengthen our faith to trust in your divine plan and timing. Lord, may we find comfort in knowing that your hand is orchestrating events for our ultimate good. We ask that you would grant us the courage to step out on faith, knowing that you will guide and sustain us as we follow your will. Lord, help us to be bold in pursuing the dreams and passions and aspirations that you have placed within our hearts, trusting that you will be our constant companion on our journey. Above all, Lord, we just want to hold on to your hand your unchanging hand, draw us closer to you that we will intimately know you, know your presence and experience the depth of your love in every moment and every circumstance. Lord, we want to be aware of your hand moving in our lives and may we use our hands to praise you and to exalt your name. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray and all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today I accept my emotions and let them move through me. I accept my emotions and let them move through me. And our aphorism, the heart is half a prophet. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.